All right. Uh, good morning. If we haven't met, my name is JR. I'm the next gen pastor here, and I get the privilege, which just translates into I get the privilege of um, being a part of leading our teams that uh, lead birth through high schoolers and their families here at LCC. Hey, uh, this morning you are going to need your Bibles because somebody didn't want to push as many buttons, and so it won't all be up on the screen. So if you want to download that app now or turn to those, find, go find that on the shelf at home now, that would be great. Uh, and we'll get back to that in a second. Also, just a reminder, we're reading through the book of John together as we go through this I Am series, and if you aren't signed up for those weekly emails, you can get those at john.lifecommunity.com. So the series we're in is called I Am, which then makes me think of those uh, Hi My Name Is name tags, which I don't know why that is, but that's what it makes me think of, Um, which then makes me think about introductions. So you see this is a multi-step thing. um, And then I got to thinking about how awkward I am in certain spaces with certain introductions, one of which being school secretaries. So some friends of Rebecca and I's and, and us, we run a nonprofit together out in Plain City, and because of what we do, we intersect with uh, schools, and there's times I have to go to the schools. And, and let's be honest, secretaries, school secretaries are wonderful people. They, they are like equal parts grandma and spreadsheet ninja and parent therapist and uh, bodyguard. So you walk up, and it's a little intimidating because you push the button on the wall, and they've got a camera there. They see you. You can't see them. Can I help you? <laughs> yes. What, like, they want to know what you want. What do you need? I'm, I'm here with the, the thing, the, the bags of food for the kids. The <clears throat> at this point, I'm sweating. Like, right? And I don't know what it is. There's just something about school secretaries that have trouble with introductions there. Um, another place I have trouble with introductions, at least when I was younger, was... Um, with women, in particular my wife, and asking her out on a date. And since it's Valentine's Day, I'll tell this story on myself. Like, I, I didn't know what to do there. How do I introduce myself? How do I ask her out uh, uh, to go out on a date? And so she took care of that. She asked me out. And, and the rest is history, friends. So I am, we're going to hear Jesus do some introductions about himself today and make some claims about himself. And today we're going to start with uh, uh, the, the, the first I am statement that we see in the book of John, which is I am the bread of life. And isn't bread great, right? I had, I had a cinnamon roll for breakfast. It was wonderful. Um, for those of you on keto or with can't eat gluten, I'm sorry. But like, like bread is good. Bread satisfies. It just has this thing about it. And if I'm honest, like there's times where like if things are hard and I'm, I'm not processing things well, like some bread, like let me eat a cinnamon roll. I'm going to eat my problems kind of thing. Um, It's soothing, it satisfies, it's enjoyable, right? But why bread? Why does Jesus say, I am the bread of life, not like, I am the avocado of life? And so, because, I mean, even on its own, it's a little like, what's going on? Um, But then I got to thinking about, well, where else do we see bread in Scripture? And so, think back to the Old Testament, we see uh, manna, right? Um, There's a story in 2 Kings where Elisha feeds 100 people with just 20 loaves of uh, barley bread. Um, there's the show bread in the tabernacle. There's the aspect of uh, bread mentioned in Jesus' uh, temptation, uh, turn the rock into bread. There's the feeding of the 5,000. There's communion. All these things about bread. It's like, oh, hey, okay. So this isn't just a, uh, let's pick something today. This has some depth to it and some, um, some tie-in to it. So <clears throat> we're going to get into the text, and what I'm going to do, lots of, lots of listening to J.R., read today. Uh, But I'm going to just read through the text. We're going to be in John chapter 6. This is where you need your Bibles. Um, John chapter 6, verses 25 to 58. 
Um, and just, you may notice we're in chapter 6 today. Last week we were in chapter 1. There's some things that happened in between without recapping all of it. I just want to tell you what happened yesterday in the context of this story and see if any of this sounds familiar. Yesterday, Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, and probably more than 5,000 is probably 5,000 men, plus then all the women and children. Yesterday, to the story we'll read today, he walked on water, okay? So, like, that's what happened just yesterday, which makes some of the things we'll read about today be like, oh, I see why that's a a big deal. Um, But I want to invite you as I read through this to just listen for a couple of words. I want you to listen for the word believe and the word eternal life. And I want you to think about, again, as you read along or just listen to me talk, um, think about, like, what stands out or what makes you go, I'm sorry, what? Kind of, kind of a moment. Um, so, yeah, listen for that kind of stuff. But, but uh, here we go. We're going to uh, John chapter 6, verses 25 to 58. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who, is, who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? So Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, uh, and they will be, all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who has come from God. He has seen the Father. Uh, he, oh, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give you, that I will give for the life of the world, is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides in me, and I in him. 
as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of the fathers that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Okay. So, uh, hey, Bruce, would you put me just all the way back at the beginning there? That would be amazing. Thank you. Perfect, thanks. Um, Okay, so so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go through it again now. And I'm going to invite, I'm just going to point out some things that, uh, that I noticed, okay? And uh, I didn't do this alone. Well, I think one of the things that's, that's cool around here is that we have these teaching teams that come together. So with Dan and Tom and Mike and TJ and Johnny and the different folks I talked to and John, um, through this, hopefully I'll be able to share some of the things that, that, that we saw together, although don't hold them accountable for anything I might or might not say. Um, but I think one of the big deals I want you to think of, too, is like the this teaching aspect is important, super important, that we hear and learn together. But so is the idea that you can open this book on your own, okay? And that's essentially what I did with these other guys. Like, I just opened it up with them together, and we just took a look at what's there. Um, so, so as we go through, like, don't, don't let this be an autopilot moment this morning where I hope he wows us, I hope he says something great, because, uh, like, but, but just take it as, as an opportunity for you to be curious about what's here. And maybe some of the things that you said, hmm, about as we read, or you're like, oh, that kind of stands out. Maybe those would be some of the things we talk about. And also, not just curious, but also be reflective about what's going on in your own heart, okay? Um, so uh, for a lot of this today, I want to look at kind of, hey, how's the crowd responding to what Jesus is doing and saying? But most of all, what does Jesus say about himself? What do we hear Jesus say about who he is. Now, before we jump in and go through it again, um, I want to take a quick pause on a certain phrase uh, because the certain phrase is just a, well, here's why I want to talk about it. Because words over time mean different things in different spaces in different groups of people. For example, I picked up a word from someone that many of you know that every time I say it, like, I get this look from my children that's like, not okay. Not okay. So I think words mean different things at different times. So the word is swanky. I just and sometimes I get a look from adults too that's like, no, let's not. But but to me, to me, I just use it to mean super fancy. Like that was a swanky outfit I had on today, right? But but over time, it means different things for different people. Or like I have this phrase that I picked up from a movie that most other people just don't begin to care. Or I get again weird looks, which I say, hey, that was Macarena cool, right? So and again, everybody's like, oh. I don't even know what that means. So I want to make sure that, like, and, and I could be wrong on this, but here's a, there's a phrase in here, eternal life, that does it mean how we think that means? Like, what's going on with that phrase? Um, and also, this, this quick little thing I'm going to read you also gives some context to uh, just the, the audience that Jesus is talking to at this point. So just real quick, I'm going to read you this. This is from uh, N.T. Wright. He says, when we hear the phrase eternal life, it's easy for us to imagine that this means a kind of platonic immortality. And if you want to just take a deep dive, you can go look up Plato's dualism, and, and, and you might be surprised to think, oh, that's from Plato, not from Jesus. There's some things that sometimes get mixed together there. Um, I'll back up. 
It's easy to imagine that this means a kind of platonic immortality, a life in a different sphere entirely, which is not about space and time and matter, not about bodies, not about creation as we know it, but an entirely different sort of existence where maybe a disembodied soul might be happy along with a disembodied God, and where people, and when people hear this phrase eternal life, they somehow think, well, a life going on and on forever, although in a world beyond time itself. This is not what John is talking about when he has Jesus refer to eternal life. In the Jewish world of Jesus' day, people of all sorts of backgrounds regularly thought about the present, uh, thought about the, the, oh, I've lost my place, thought about the present age and the age to come. They divided history broadly into two. The present age, they knew, was a time of sorrow, of injustice, of oppression, of lots of bad things happening. But on one day, they believed the creator God would usher in a new age, the new day that would dawn, and then everything would be sorted out. That's what John is talking about with the phrase, which is translated in some versions, eternal life. He means the life of the coming new age. And at the point, and the point about Jesus working in John's gospel is that the life of the coming new age comes forward into the present in the person of Jesus. So that suddenly we find new creation bursting into the world, unready as it is. And that gives the dramatic tension of Jesus' story where the new creation is happening here and now while the old creation is still rumbling on. Okay, so let's, with that in mind, let's uh, look at the crowd and Jesus. So let's jump into the first section here. And I'm just going back to verse 25, starting again at the beginning. It says, uh, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So remember yesterday, feeding of 5,000, Jesus walked on water. That's why they didn't know how he got got to where he was going, and taking a cue from what Jesus said next, I wonder if what's going on in the, the heart of the crowd here is, hey, what are we going to get out of this today? You remember what yesterday was like, right? That was awesome. Um, and, and I wonder if they're even there just because, like, hey, bread round two. This would be cool. So Jesus answered them, and he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So Jesus speaks right to their motives, okay, uh, and to their focus and to their physical comfort. He said, hey, here's what you're doing. And he's not being dismissive. I mean, he fed them yesterday, okay? So it's not like he's like, just stop thinking about that. But, but he's still moving to shift this conversation uh, to, to be a more holistic. He's going to try to, he's going to say, hey, Physical is important, but spiritual is important. In fact, spiritual is more important, but we need to take it all, we all take it all together. I think, too, as we get going here, like, and again, we're talking about the bread of life. We have the whole feeding of the 5,000. These are folks who, it was kind of day to day. Am I going to have something to eat? Um, and he, he uses this idea of hunger, which I think, on some level, we all understand what hunger is. Like, what is it to hunger physically? Um, and at other times in the book of John, he uses thirst. Again, same thing. We've all at some level been thirsty before. This is a relatable, a relatable idea, a, a universal condition. And also we see Jesus saying, hey, there's this connection between the, the son and the father. And yet he's not saying yet, hey, that's me. He's just kind of setting it up for them. Okay, moving on. He said, uh, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So heart of the crowd here being like, okay, so what's, uh, we hear you, what's required? Like, what's the deal? And Jesus answered them and said, the work of the God, uh, this is the work of God that you believe, there's one of our words, that you believe in him who he 
has sent. So this is the first use of believe in this section. Um, He's saying believe in the one who he has sent, but he's still not saying, hey, that's me. He's just, again, setting it up. Just an aside here, back to this physical and and spiritual idea, which we just saw a, a minute ago, too. There's this aspect that he's, he said, yes, the physical is real, but I'm, I'm not willing to let that be the whole picture for you. There is more that goes on in your life. There's more that goes on in life in general. You can, you can pick existence or you can pick life, like real life, full life. Um, and we see, this, we see Jesus um, just hold that intention. And I think, just as a further aside, like when we think about how we come alongside people, Sometimes it's easy to think, well, I need to meet this aspect or I need to meet this aspect. And I wonder if Jesus is saying, no, let's meet the whole thing together with them. <clears throat> so they said to him, then what sign, this is funny, okay. So then they said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Um, why is it funny? Why is it funny that he says, uh, what sign will you do? Yesterday, he fed 5,000 people with five pieces of bread and two fish. Probably, again, lots more than 5,000 people. And yet they're like, yeah, but, like, if you're going to say the things you just said, maybe, maybe we should see what else you got. Can you, can you show us something bigger? Show us something more. Um, so Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And here, Jesus takes, he's got Moses and the Father, and he's going to set the Father up as being the top, and kind of this hierarchy. And, and you have to remember, too, that he's talking to a group of Moses fans, like all about Moses. So, and in fact, they're bringing it up. You see them start to bring it up here and there. Um, and he's saying, hey, the Father, this all came from the Father. Like, yeah, Moses was with you and did it, but this came from the Father. And then that phrase, um, towards the end of that section there where it says, uh, bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. Bread that gives life to the world. We see a couple of words used in the, in the language here uh, in New Testament that, that are both translated to life. Um, one of them, I'm going to mispronounce all this, but bios, which is like, living, breathing, your blood's pumping kind of life. Um, see that used 10 times in the translation of the word life. But then there's this other word that's zoe. And again, that's where I'm probably butchering that. But um, which is like possessed with vitality and looking to fullness, a state of living that goes beyond our present. Oh, that sounds different than when I came to give life to the world. That kind of life, that's, that's different. It's, it's interesting, too, that, like, Jesus, like, so he wants to get, they're, they're thinking here, right? And he wants to get them to think about something over here. But he, he keeps meeting them. I'd be like, come on, whoop, let's go over here. Let's A to B, right? But Jesus takes them like, oh, that's what you're thinking. Okay, he speaks to that. Oh, that's what you're thinking. Okay, so, like, what do I get? Okay, what do I have to do? Are you sure? Like, He's willing to take this slow meet you where you're at, turn in the conversation, and just keep turning it little bit by little bit. So, okay, so this bread that gives life to the world and life like, 
fullness of life, right? Like real life beyond just your, your breathing and your heart's pumping. So their natural response, sir, give us that bread always, right? They're like, let's do it. Um, but I, I wonder for the crowd, like, what are they really asking for? Like, what do they most want? Like, yeah. Like, are you finally going to fix our problems or what we perceive as our problems? Um, so Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Here it is again. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Isn't that good? For I have come down from heaven not to do the, my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Yeah, actually, that's the first time he says, I am the bread of life, sorry. Yeah, it's kind of this bombshell moment. He said, hey, that's me. Here's where he turns it. He says, hey, that's me. I am the bread of life. I am what brings this. Um, I satisfy. I'm enough. You know, we mentioned the universality of this idea of hunger in the physical. Um, but can we believe that that's true in the spiritual too? Because that's what he's starting to speak to here. I'm the bread of life. I will give you what you need. I'm enough. Um, down in verse 40, he says, For this is the will of my Father that all, uh, that all who believe will have eternal life. And that's all made possible by, by the work on the cross, which for this audience is yet to come. And then, and then again, you know, thinking back to our idea about eternal life that we started out with, like, uh, should believe in him and should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. There's life to be had right now, and there's life to be had with him ongoing in eternity as well. But back to the crowd for a moment. Again, I wonder if they saw Jesus as a means. Like, okay, great. But, like, but can you give me what I need? Are you going to give me your, I'm glad it's you, but if it's not you, it could be somebody else and it would all be fine. Um, how often is it true that if someone would just fix the thing, that would matter more than having Jesus? Sky Jatani quotes John Piper, and I say it that way because I, don't, I didn't go back and look in the book and separate them all out to see who was actually talking here. So here you go. He says, um, people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, hey, hey, tap the guy next to you. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, like, you know, they live over there? Like, how does he now say, I've come down from heaven? And the whole, like, okay, we'll just take you where you're at. Yes, sir, give us that bread always. Like, that's starting to break down a little bit. We're starting to ruffle the, the feathers a little bit of what, what's going on in the crowd's heart and mind. And maybe, maybe the question is, what, like, what are they going to do with their unbelief? So Jesus answered them, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who uh, sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. So looking at the Jesus side of things now, here uh, we see him make the claim that he is the bread of life. Um, claim, uh, making a claim, too, of he is from the Father. So he's saying, essentially, hey, I'm God to this crowd. Uh, I think, you know, I, I asked you to think about, like, okay, what are, the, what are the things that kind of stand out or what are the things that make you scratch your head a little bit? And one of those for me was, you know, with the scratch your head kind of thing was, well, what about this thing where it says, uh, <clears throat> no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So kind of parking with that for a little bit. Um, it was interesting to jump over to something Paul said to the Corinthian church when he said, in Christ, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So, so no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, but God was drawing the whole world to himself. Augustine says something about that. He says, um, do not think that you are drawn against your will. The soul is drawn also by love. And in case someone says to you, how can I believe the, with the will if I am drawn? I say that it is not enough to be drawn by the will. You are drawn even by delight. What is it to be drawn by delight? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. There is a certain craving of the heart to which that bread of heaven is sweet. If the poet could say, even... Or, could say every person is drawn by his own pleasure, not necessity, but pleasure, not obligation, but delight. How much more boldly ought we to say that a person is drawn to Christ when he delights in the truth, when he delights in blessedness, delights in righteousness, delights in everlasting life? But the crowd grumbled about him, right? The rest of what followed right after that was, um, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And then here, here he's going to get himself a reaction. And the bread that I will give for my life, that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. But, but backing up for a second, I, I kind of wonder when he says, this is the bread that came down from heaven, that he's saying, guys, this, this is the bread I am. The bread, that came, like, did he point to himself? Jesus satisfies, he's enough. But here at the end of that part, like in verse 53, we turn a hard corner with this abrupt statement where he says, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And I think that, that statement, again, is making reference forward to the crucifixion, but again, that was in the future for the audience he's talking to, so... The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, not only is it just a, again, this is where antennas maybe go up if you're asking the question, hmm, what's odd? What is like that kind of a statement? Um, so, yeah, so not only is it a, like a tough statement for us to read, but then culturally with all their, their food laws and everything else, um, this, the just added on further and further. And I think that kind of we get to the point where the, the crowd has this heart and kind of thought pattern of, 
we, we, the, this, we can't reconcile this. this. This just doesn't work for us. But that wasn't all he had to say. So then he says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds uh, on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And we can just say out loud together, that's a hard thing to read, and that's a hard thing to, to process, and, and to know, too, that the, the people he, were talk, he was talking to, it's hard for them, because if we skip outside of our passage for today, and we look at verse 60, it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And skip down to 66. And it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So I think we, yeah, again, we get to this part with the crowd where they're just like, this isn't reconcilable to me. But some things that I wonder, these are maybes, like, uh, well, I just love that he put the word abide in there abides in me. We hear that in other places, right? I am the vine and you are the branches, whoever abides in me. Okay, but here it is in this context as well. And then some maybes. Maybe this is a, a reflection forward to the, to the indwelling closeness of God's spirit. Like the idea of my cinnamon roll is close to me, guys, that I ate this morning. Okay? God's spirit's closer than that. Um, maybe it's reflections forward to the Last Supper. And certainly I would say it's reflections forward to the crucifixion as well. And again, we see this direct connection of him being from the Father. So let's summary a couple things, yeah? I am the bread of life. The heart of the crowd is, hey, we kind of have this progression with them. Hey, how's this going to benefit me or make something easier for me? What's required? You better show me bigger. I need to see this even more. Fix our problems not knowing what to do with your unbelief, and then finally just, I, this is not reconcilable. I'm, I'm out. And meanwhile, we hear Jesus saying through here over and over, he says, this has all been pointing to me. This has all been pointing to me. I'm offering life, and I'm all you need. I satisfy. I'm enough. Fast forward to the... Um, the end of the book of John, and I think Tom talked about this last week a little bit too, but we see Jesus says, now, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And what is it that we believe? We believe uh, the gospel. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So Jesus says, this has all been pointing to me. I'm offering life, and I'm all you need. I satisfy, and I'm enough. And I would ask us this morning, maybe we can talk about this in groups this week, yeah? Um, how are you doing 
of finding the whole of your satisfaction in Jesus. He says he's enough. How are you doing believing that's actually true? How are you reminding yourself that that's true, that it's ongoing? Because, guys, once, it, once just isn't enough. Like, I've been using this analogy for a couple of months lately of, like, we're, I think we all are, but I'll just talk about me. I'm a leaky bucket. I need people to be pouring what's true back into me because it just leaks out. Life is stressful. Life gets hard, and it just leaks out. So who's pouring back into you this idea that Jesus is enough? I was thinking a couple days ago um, just about some conversations at home, and I get all worked up about these conversations that, that happen and I knew I'm going to stand here today. And I'm going to say, Jesus is enough. Do I believe that? How does that intersect with my relationships and my realities? And do I let it intersect in those spaces? And I would ask you too, like, who do you have around you in your life that lives like that? I think we need to spend time with those people. We need to ask them to speak in around us and, and to us. People who who we watch live like Jesus is actually enough. Lisa Turkhurst says this, Jesus doesn't want us to just live with breath in our lungs, walking around as a shell of existence. He wants us to have a rare vitality, experiencing the fullness of soul someone should experience when Jesus himself does everyday life with us. Do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus wants this for you? I believe it. I believe it for you. That thing you've been so desperate to see come to pass, that unanswered prayer, that unrelenting ache, the cries you're so afraid are unheard, the unyielding addiction, that unsung recognition, your unraveling hope. Those answers and the easing of that ache aren't the source finally becoming fully satisfied. You get that? Those answers and the easing of that ache aren't the source of becoming fully satisfied. They aren't. And you believing this lie is a scheme of Satan to keep you in an unsatisfied place. But Jesus is. He's enough. What does it look like to live like we really think that he satisfies and he's enough? Thomas Merton said it like this. If I have this divine life in me, what do the accidents of pain and pleasure, hope and fear, joy and sorrow matter to me. They are not my life and they have little to do with it. Why should I fear anything that cannot rob me of God? And why should I desire anything that cannot give me possession of him? It is the easiest thing in the world to possess this life and this joy. All you have to do is believe in love and yet people waste their whole lives in appalling labor and difficulty and sacrifice to get things that make real life, real life with him, impossible. Jesus says, this has all been pointing to me. I'm offering life and I'm all you need. I satisfy. I'm enough. I am the bread of life. Can I pray for us? God, you're good. Would you remind us in our unbelief, in our places where it's hard to believe that you really are enough, 
God, would you, would you help us process this idea together of not treating you like a means to an end. You are the end. You are all we need, and that's a hard thing to process, and it's a hard thing to hear. But God, I know in the moments where I remember that, in the moments where I live that out, I know it's true. You help us to see that together today. That you are the bread that gives life to the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, we're going to take communion together. Okay? Uh, so parents, as always, we leave that up to you to navigate with your kids, whether they're ready for that. And, and this is something for people who have met Jesus. But if you haven't met Jesus he says, I give life. I give life. Believe and have eternal life. Believe what? That Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose three days later, according to the scriptures. If you say, I, I, can somebody, uh, can we have a conversation? Can we talk that through? Like, um, yeah, if you're in here, lean, lean over to somebody. If, if you're joining us online this morning, uh, jump on the chat. Um, and if you're joining us at a time that's not Sunday morning, then, then uh, hello at lifecommunity.com would be a great place to start. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I wonder if that just sounds a little bit different this morning. A little bit, oh. When we see in John 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. How's your belief this morning? And if you're like, it's, it's a little broken, I tell you, he knows. And he's right there with you in it. But can we take a minute to reflect on that for a second? How are things with you and him? How are things with you and the people that you're called to love? So let's take a minute to reflect on that. And if... Honestly, if there's something that needs made right with somebody this morning, I'd encourage you to even go and do that now. Um, I'm going to give us a couple minutes. We're just going to do that in silence. Um, how's your belief? How are things with you and other people? And then we'll take the Lord's Supper together.